everybody welcome to the hiking my feelings virtual campfire my name is sydney this is night four we are cruising towards uh june 14th i feel like this has been going on for a week but it's really been four days so that's great um excited to have everybody here tonight thank you so much to our donors for joining we're excited to see everybody tuning in on youtube so thank you for being here um tonight we have some very special guests we have Kaleo and Melanie Wassman, the AKA Rebel and Muse, AKA Pepper Wine, AKA Pepper the Band, AKA Spell Botanicals. They got a lot going on. We're gonna be talking to them about balance, brand new days, what it's like to do things for the first time. And we also have Tyler from Solomon and the chapter that I'm reading today, we talk about how I got a blister about an hour into a six day backpacking trip. Pro tip, uh, wearing your hiking boots at your standing desk is not the same as breaking them in. So Tyler's gonna give us a bunch of great tips on how to pick shoes and how not to like die on the trail like I almost did. And then we have Amanda Dulong, who's a member of the Hiking My Feelings family. We met at our Fort Worth tour stop, similar to uh, Sarah from last night. And she has a mission and a message around sickness that can come from getting breast implants because she experiences herself. So we're excited to talk to her about that. And a couple housekeeping things before we get started. If this is your first time joining us, I want to show you what we're working towards and where your donor dollars are going. So we got our renderings from the um, architect yesterday, and I want to show you what phase one is going to look like of the Hiking My Feelings Wilderness Wellness Center. So this is phase one. Um, what we're raising money for on this first phase of construction, we're raising $30,000. We're currently around $6,500 raised. And what you see here is a 32 foot by 32 foot deck. And then on top of that is a 24 foot diameter geodesic dome. And that will serve as the hub for the Hiking My Feelings Community Center. So that is where we'll film and host all of our online program and education courses. This is where we will have our base camp for all of our group hikes, our um, retreats, our workshops, anything that we do in person will be housed there. And you can see that we have room for tents around as well. So participants can overnight. We do some backpacking trips in the area um, locally from the ranch where we are building this beautiful center. So thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to introduce you to our guests and to start things off tonight, I am going to be reading chapter three from the book, Hiking My Feelings, Stepping Into the Healing Power of Nature. I wrote this sucker last year and this is my virtual book tour because my real one got canceled. So <laughs> tonight I'm sharing from chapter three. If you're joining us and reading along, we're on page 51 in the hard copy. If you're on an ebook, I don't know what page it's on because they're all different. So this chapter is called Chicken and Dumplings. And the last chapter, I had my first um, experience in a dressing room where I didn't recognize my body and I didn't shame myself when that happened. Typically, when I go shopping, I'm kind of a jerk to myself. And for whatever reason, in that dressing room back in 2016, I just kind of looked at myself and I was like, girl, how do we get here? Like, what's happening with this body you got going on? So to set this chapter up, the last uh, little thing that happened in chapter two was I asked myself, what would be possible if from this point forward, we just honored our inner athlete instead of trying to berate myself into being thin or starving myself or working out like a crazy person? What if I just said, hey, I'm an athlete and I want to honor that. So here we go. 
Chapter three, chicken and dumplings, starting on page 51 if you're reading along. Two weeks later, it was showtime. Time to hike across Catalina Island. One of Barry's former skydiving students offered us a place to crash the night before our hike, so we made it our way to Long Beach to catch up. By the time we got through there through traffic, we were starving. We checked out their new place, did some casual catching up, and then we took their boat over to Ballast Point for dinner and drinks. As we were cruising through the canals and onto the bay, I could see Catalina Island. It looked small and huge at the same time. As I looked at the island, I wondered if I would be able to make it across in one piece. I had all the gear now, but we hadn't been training or anything. I just rolled off the couch and onto the trail after two of the hardest years of my life. When we moved to, San to the house in San Diego, I purchased a standing desk, but that was the extent of my physical activity in those days. After one too many beers, I struggled to fall asleep. I was nervous, excited, and uncertain of what would happen on this trip. I tossed and turned until I finally passed out. I woke up to my alarm, scrambling for my stuff in the dark, strapped on my backpack to take it down to the car, and got in the elevator with Barry. In case we died on the first day, I wanted to get a selfie of us before we even got to the island. Here we go, I posted to Facebook. We made it to the ferry landing, parked the car, checked in, and sat in the lobby to wait to get in line for our ferry over to Avalon, the beginning of this journey. The ferry ride was a blur of excitement and nervous energy. I mentally reviewed the items in my backpack, making sure I didn't forget anything. I had all the essential items and a few items that made Barry roll his eyes. What do you mean normal people don't bring a deck of tarot cards on a backpacking trip? I was ready. The first day on the Trans-Catalina Trail is the hardest. You're traveling 11 miles, hiking up and down five peaks, carrying all of your food and water for this adventure. My pack was the heaviest it was ever going to be. As I shouldered it to disembark the ferry, I looked around. Catalina Island was one of the first places outside of Kansas that I visited when I was a kid. My dad called it a throwaway port on that first West Coast cruise we took when I was in high school. Now, as I made my way, up, my way off the ferry and started navigating through Avalon, I racked my brain for memories here. I didn't have any. Did we even get off the ship? I thought at least something would look familiar, but it didn't. We ventured through town, trying to find the building for the Catalina Island Conservancy, where we would check in. As we turned the corner, I spotted the building showed in the YouTube videos we watched before this hike, white with blue trim. We walked over, checked in, got a map of the island, and began to make our way toward the trailhead. Having taken the 6 a.m. ferry over from Long Beach so we could get started bright and early, this sleepy island town was just starting to rise and shine. As we walked through Avalon, we got turned around and walked in the opposite direction of the trailhead. When we realized this, we stopped to get our bearings and made our way to Hermit Gulch. Now I'm gonna take a break and show you this beautiful picture of my face. Hi, I've never been backpacking before. My eyes are the size of dinner plates. What did I just get myself into? <laughs> the trail continued out the back of the campground and a series of aggressive switchbacks led us up and out of the canyon. As we gained elevation climbing up to the ridgeline, I could see the cruise ships on the horizon waiting to pull into port. In my mind, I heard my dad joking about the wasted time on Catalina Island en route to Ensenada, Mexico. It's a throwaway day because we just sit out here all night sailing in circles until it's time to pull into port. We should have just taken off at sail away, floored it over here, and docked last night. But no, we have to wait until the morning and then waste a whole day here. An hour or two into this adventure, I felt my right shoe rubbing on the outside of my heel, the beginning stages of a blister. Barry described this as a hot spot when he was helping me get prepared for this hike, and he advised that if I felt this start to happen, we should stop hiking and handle it, hopefully avoiding a blister altogether. So I stopped. I looked around for a level place to put my pack, but I couldn't find one. I had visions of having a Cheryl Strayed moment up here, sending my shoe over the side of the mountain down towards the cruise ships. Never one to miss an opportunity to one-up tragic thoughts, my imagination set my backpack sailing behind the shoe. 
On the trail, I positioned my pack against the slope of the mountain of this switchback. Everything was steep. Everything was hurting. I was having a hard time catching my breath during this aggressive climb out of the canyon. Barry handed me a roll of Luco tape and walked me through how to tape up the affected area. It felt better when I put my socks and shoes on and we continued hiking. It was December, but it felt like July. While the temperature never rose above 75 degrees, there's no coverage or shade on this trail, only full sun. I was struggling physically, feeling other hot spots develop on both feet. My toes felt cramped and crushed in my shoes. When will these switchbacks end? Does this trail ever flatten out or is the entire hike going to be an uphill climb, kicking up dust and sending waves of heat rising from the ground? It felt like I opened the oven door and stuck my face in a blast of hot air. I couldn't help but laugh at myself and my lack of preparation as evidenced by my blisters. Well, apparently wearing hiking boots is, at your standing desk is not the same as breaking them in, Sydney. As we were hiking, Barry would occasionally turn around and shout back to me, proud of you. The first time he said it, it made me cry. I didn't know if I could do this. I didn't know if we'd make it to the end in one piece, but I knew I wanted to try. As we came over the crest of the first area of this section of trail, I was so relieved. The shade structure didn't offer much by means of shade, but it was a nice place to take my pack off. I did a scan of my body, hyper aware of every ache and pain. I was parched and sucked down water while taking in the scenery around me. As I took some deep breaths to try to slow my heart rate, I noticed the air smelled sweeter at this elevation. In the distance to the east, I could see the mainland, downtown Long Beach, piers up and down the coast, boats sailing in and out of the port. I could see a cruise ship tender bringing folks to Avalon. I could see how far we had come since we started. And while I had already earned my title as mayor of Blistertown, I was starting to understand why Barry likes doing this so much. Barry grew up in New Hampshire and has hiked most of the White Mountains and Presidential Range, most of which with his dog. When I moved to Austin in the fall after we met, Barry did a walkabout in Texas, covering 100 something miles in less than a week. He had always told me that hiking was exercise that didn't feel like exercise and that the fresh air and views always make up for how hard it might be to get to the top of some of these places or to cover longer distances. The first hike I remember doing with Barry was remarkably similar to this moment on the trail, except I was in way better shape. Before we moved to California, I had been running every day, so the transition to hiking felt natural and easy. Our first hike together was somewhere in the Ortega Mountains near our house in Lake Elsinore, California. Barry had promised me we could go visit Stone Brewing Company and grab some food when we finished the hike. As we were making our way through the high desert terrain, dust, dusty, hot, and exposed, I kept asking how much further. He kept shouting back to me, just around the bend. For hours and hours, he kept telling me that we were almost there. I was frustrated beyond belief, despite desperate to arrive at these views that he kept insisting were worth the pain I was in, and I didn't break in those shoes either. I bought them at the Merrill outlet the day before and figured I'd be good to go for a 12 mile jaunt through the wilderness. When we finally made it to the top of that first hike, I surrendered to the moment. He was right. The views were worth the effort. Afterward, I felt incredibly accomplished sitting in the corner booth at Stone, devouring duck cone fee tacos like someone was going to take them away from me. I didn't understand the power of hiker hunger back then, but I did develop a hunger for hiking, and I was ravenous for more. Over the course of the next five years, we were fair weather hikers. Fair weather doesn't reflect our level of stoke on hiking. We just prefer to hike in fair weather. Living in the desert limited our hiking season to late fall and winter. In 2015, on a road trip around California, we car camped and did short hikes with the dogs. That's when I started to seriously consider what it would take to do the Pacific Crest Trail or another long scenic trail. When we found the Trans-Catalina Trail, I thought it could be a good warm up to see if I could handle through hiking. The Trans-Catalina Trail covers 38.5 miles of Santa Catalina Island. And while it's remote, yes, you're never days away from getting help like you are on the longer trails. And while we needed to carry all of our food and our water for this journey, every food for this 
the, all of our food for this journey, every campground has water. The first three campgrounds have running water and the last one, Parsons Landing, has water delivered to you in a locker since there isn't running water available. It takes the scary part away and leaves you with some pretty basic things to evaluate. Do I like being out here for days on end? Can I sleep well on the trail? How does my body respond to days in a row of longer hikes? If I enjoy it and if I can physically handle it, then the hard stuff is worth the sacrifice. So far, the hike had been pretty brutal. In the videos we watched from other folks who had done this trail, we noticed that there was a playground in the middle of the backcountry, and they were saying it was about the halfway point for the first day. I looked at the map as we started to pack up and keep going, evaluating my body, how my body felt. We were at mile three at this first shade structure, and I already had blisters forming. The playground was near mile six, and our first campground was between miles 10 and 11. Even though we got a bit turned around at the beginning, I was thankful we didn't take the route that loops around the Wrigley property. If we had gone that route, we would have added four miles to that journey. Who knows what could a kind of condition I would have been in. As we made our way further into the interior of the island, Barry and I noticed the landscape had shifted a bit. We alternated between fire roads and single track, sometimes with 360 degree ocean views. Even though my feet were killing me, it was so beautiful that it was almost enough to make me forget about the pain. We reached a place that is perfect for photos with a water view, and I raised my hands in the air for the first full body photo I had taken in a really long time. I wanted some sweet outdoor goddess photos to share on Instagram to document this journey. As we left this spot, we decided to descend into a canyon and I was thankful for a break from climbing. I started daydreaming about what the next day would bring as we watched, walked past fields of sage plants, each step a welcome respite from my aching legs. The next section from Blackjack Campground to Little Harbor was primarily downhill after we passed the airport in the sky. Downhill felt so good after miles of uphill climbing to get to the ridgeline. I imagined the most luxurious cruise into our second campground and an even more relaxing day off in Little Harbor the day after. As I lifted my head out of my daydream, I see the playground. They weren't kidding. It's a full-on playground in the middle of the backcountry. As we came up closer, I started thinking of all the ways I could extend our break here and delay our return to the trail. I was in the most pain I'd ever been in in recent memory, and I couldn't stop sweating. I knew Barry would love me regardless of my performance on this trip, but I didn't want to leave anything to chance. I wanted to be really good at this. At the time, at this point, we were six miles in and I hadn't done anything longer than this since we first moved to California five years prior. As we rolled onto the playground, I started to execute phase one of my procrastination strategy, bust out the GoPro to get some footage of me swinging on the swings. My intention was twofold, delay as much as possible while trying to get the shot and move as much air across my sweaty body as possible. It was just me and Barry on this playground, nobody else. I took off my pack, enjoying the release of the weight of the or the release of the weight comes off my shoulders. After ample shots of me swinging on the swings, pointing out plants and animals, and doing everything I can to give my legs a break, Barry started tapping his wrist. If we want to get to this campground before sunset, we need to get moving. We don't want to be out here in the dark with bison on trail. As we packed up, I was inspired by how far we'd come, and I was thoroughly looking forward to something, to something other than jerky to eat. I wanted a meal, something with substance. While we were making our way up and down more peaks, I felt my right hip flexor start to get aggravated. I remember hearing in a yoga class that a lot of trauma and memories are stored in our hips. And as I relived one of the most soul crushing moments of my life, I felt like I understood what that yoga teacher meant. As I was hiking through the pain, I heard a voice in my head. It was my rowing coach from the University of Kansas. Drive backward with your ass, Sydney. I was on the ERG, an indoor rowing machine, doing sprints with the team after an early morning weight training session. The mission of this particular drill was to get our split times as low as possible. No matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get my time down. We focused on my body position 
happened and it clicked for my coach. I wasn't driving through my legs. I was just going through the motions. My form was great, but I wasn't adding power. I pushed off the balls of my feet, driving back with my butt as I extended my legs and I felt a pang of pain. I slowed down to a stop and signaled for my coach. Something wasn't right. I made my way down to the athletic trainer and sat down on the table for an evaluation. The trainer moved my leg in all different directions, keeping the pressure on my hip flexor area as he manipulated my body position. You have a severe strain of your hip flexor. You're going to need to come see me before and after every practice until we get this sorted out. I spent most of the spring season on the bench waiting for my hip to heal. For most of my life leading up to my time on the rowing team at KU, I was a cheerleader, so I brought my enthusiasm to practice every day. After getting to the training facility early to try a variety of stretches and electronic stimulation, I'd cheer on my teammates during their runs, during their drills, and as they brought the boats back after training on the water. It was heartbreaking to watch my teammates train and compete without me, but what was I supposed to do? I kept a smile on my face, hoping my enthusiasm would buy me some time to recover and show that I could do this. I made plans to live with my teammates at Jayhawk Towers, housing specifically for student athletes across the street from the training center. I made plans to row varsity and I swore I would do anything I needed to do to get up to speed after my hip healed. When the spring season wrapped and the coaches were making their selections for the varsity team, I was worried about my lack of a track record, but was optimistic that I would be selected for the varsity team since, as they said, I showed so much promise. Sitting across from my coach, I listened as she started to break the news to me. Sydney, you have the best attitude of anyone on the team. It has been an absolute pleasure having you around to cheer on the team while you've been injured. If we could keep you on to boost morale for the team, we certainly would. I felt my eyes glaze over. At the end of the day, you're too short to row varsity. I looked around. I was surrounded by women who were either teeny tiny and found this spot, found a spot on the team as a coxswain, the member of the team who sits at the back of the boat, calls commands for the rowers, and steers the boat, or women who were at least 5'9", some towering above me at six feet tall. I was too big to be a coxswain because I couldn't fit in that part of the boat. I was too short to match the stroke length and power of my taller teammates. It crushed me. All of my dreams came crashing down. And for the longest time, I blamed myself for being injured. I was so hard on myself. If only you had listened or asked for help outside of practice. If you lost 20 pounds, maybe you could be a coxswain. Regardless of the fact that I never wanted to be a coxswain, I just wanted to row. I stopped hiking and tried to stretch out my hip. I shouted to Barry to ask how much further we had to go before we got to the campground. It's on the other side of this peak. I rolled my eyes and sighed to myself, remembering the first hike we did together and mocking him in a sing-song voice. It's just around the bend. The last climb before Blackjack Campground was aggressive, and we kept getting lapped by people who had started behind us, folks I hadn't even seen on trail until they breezed past us on the last climb before the campground. On that last climb, I repeated a few mantras to myself. Right foot, left foot came in handy when I had to physically grab onto my pants and drag my leg up the mountain. My hip was in so much pain, I cried through the steps, begging and pleading with my body to continue to carry me up this mountain. Every four steps, I would keel over, as if braced for impact, sobbing and dry heaving. It felt like I was doing stadiums at KU, running up and down the bleachers for conditioning practice at ungodly hours in the morning. My legs were shaking from working so hard. Right foot. I instructed my body, holding onto my pants and pulling my right leg up to meet the left. Left foot. I continued, steadying myself before taking a step up with my left leg. Right foot, I said, feeling the desire to vomit all the water I had been chugging. Left foot, I pleaded, as I felt tears welling up behind my eyes. Here we go again, another cycle that feels more like an exorcism than anything I have control over. I had never ha experienced emotion moving my through my body like this. I had never experienced physical pain like this. All the while, we were surrounded by incredible beauty on this island. Between the fields of sage, as far as the eye can see, 
the ocean view, and Barry's random bouts of shouting proud at you from up ahead of me, I could almost forget about the pain. We crested the top of the peak and I could see an open field with rolling hills, the antenna on top of Mount Blackjack, and some small structures. My heart rate sped up, but I tried not to get my hopes up. I shouted, asking Barry, the island, myself, anyone who has the answer at this point, is that it? Are we almost there? As we got closer to the campground, I heard laughter and shouting. Oh, sweet baby unicorns, we're almost there. It was literally around the bend. Knowing we were getting close, all of my pain was magnified. I could feel the dirt rubbing between my skin and my socks. There was a teeny tiny pebble in my left shoe that kept kicking around. My back was killing me. I had sweat dripping into my eyes, stinging every time I blink, making my vision blurry. I haven't caught my breath since we left that playground in the middle of the backcountry. All I could think about is how much pain I was in and how hungry I was. I pulled on my bite valve to get a sip of water, and it took considerably more effort than before, as these were the last sips of water. I wanted to walk faster, but my hiking boots had transformed into cinder blocks, and it took every ounce of energy I had to get to our campsite. We got to the campground, and I was relieved to see that our campsite is one of the first ones off trail. As soon as I sat down, I ripped off my shoes to let my feet air out. My legs were still shaking from the last climb, and my pinky toes had turned into blisters. Barry handed me the knife he packed so I could drain them. I squeezed some hand sanitizer into my hand, rubbed it on the tip of the knife, and rubbed some on my toes. I gently poked my heel with my finger, testing the spot I had taped up in the morning. It was a blister now. I pulled off the tape and rubbed some sanitizer on my heel as well. Then, I followed Barry's instructions as he walked me through how to pierce the skin, relieve the pressure, and allow the blisters to drain. I've always had a weird fascination with picking at my feet, whether that's the skin or toenails, and while I was in a tremendous amount of pain, I wasn't squeamish. I was impressed. Captivated. I couldn't look away. This was so gross and so painful at the same time. The moment the blister started to drain, I felt like a whole new woman. We put up our tiny tent, and as I was hobbling around trying to keep my feet clean in the soft dirt, after playing Tetris with our sleeping pads to find a configuration that made sense, we started to make dinner. My first dehydrated meal was absolutely delicious. I picked chicken and dumplings because it was the highest calorie meal I packed. I was exhausted, and I couldn't walk another step. I filled up my water and drank it all. I had to pee, but the idea of walking uphill to the bathroom sounded like my personal hell. I decided I would go in the morning. By 6.30 p.m., I was lights out, dead to the world, asleep in our tent. Boom, shaka, laka. That is chapter three. So um, as I'm thinking about what we've got going on tonight, first things first, let's do a little screen share here. So you saw the uh, phase one. Let me show you phase three. So phase one, we were talking about we're doing a deck with the dome. Phase three, phase two is we're building more decks. And then phase three is decks and domes. So when we get down to phase three, this is our stretch goal for fundraising for this event. Then we'll have all these nice little domes where you can come and stay at the retreat center in these little things. They're all off grid, wind and solar powered. And we are just so stoked to be building this stuff and really living the way we want to live. There's something really cool, I think, about living in a circle versus living in a box. And as we've been trying to find like firsthand reports from people who live in geodesic domes, um, a lot of the like commentary is the same. Like their creativity is opened up. The lack of like hard angles really just like opens up the feel and flow of creativity and just their energy. So with that in mind and knowing that I have some friends here that are waiting to chat about energy and being awesome at everything and doing all the cool things for the first time, I would love to welcome Melanie and Kalea Wassman to our little chat here. 
Right. Let's see. Yay. Hi. Can you see me? Okay. Well, hold yeah, on. Yeah, you did it. I'm trying to figure this out here. There we are. Yes. You nailed it. Hi. Oh my gosh. I love your book so much. And a little secret. Thank you. When we, when you gave us the book and then I actually ordered another one, but Clea went on tour and usually we have this thing called um, naked reading hour. So before bed, we read for an hour or so and we read books like let's see right now there's... we we try to read for for <laughs> naked for reading now. hour but as you can as you kind of like imagine it's a little more difficult than just being naked and reading <laughs> right. but anyway i never got around to waiting for naked reading hour for your book because it was i just started reading it when he was gone and i loved it i laughed yay for you reading it which was so fun to actually hear you read the story and I could hear you saying those things and I cried and I related. And I actually, everyone out there, I kept texting her. <laughs> Every time there was something that I'm like, oh my God, I'm totally fangirling out right now, but really that happened? And I think I, I, I've never known an author that I could just text about a book that I was reading. So I had a lot of fun with that. Sorry if I blew you up. Like, I love it. Yeah. All night, but. <laughs> no, it was so fun. And like, but that's one of the cool things is like, you don't really, I didn't anticipate being able to talk with people about it in that way. And that was one of the things that I wanted to do when I wrote it. And that's why we have this community. That's why we have the different programs that we have that go through the book so we can connect with people as they read it. Cause it's more than just a collection of like trail tales. It's really with the journal prompts in the back and the coloring page and everything. It's more like a guidebook um, than it is just a memoir. So thank you. And text me whenever you want, please. It's fine. <laughs> I'm like, one last so I, this is the end. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have a question that I'm going to pose to you, and then we'll just jump into a conversation about it. So one of the prompts from chapter uh, three says, when was the last time I tried something for the first time? So I would love to just kind of kick off the conversation and have both of you answer that. When was the last time you did something for the first time? And then we'll just kind of roll from there. Perfect. Do you, you, want, you want me to go first? Okay. Yeah, you go first. So, gosh, I mean, without saying the obvious, being quarantined, right? Um, right. I would, say, <laughs> I would say teaching yoga, I've been teaching yoga for over 12 years now, and I've never done it online except for recording classes or, you know, having something where I'm, there's a camera and I can go back and edit or delete it if I don't like it. So teaching yoga on Zoom or on live classes where I don't actually see the people, I just kind of know they're there because I see the roster. And to get no, no, um, no energetic feedback, and it's just me cracking my own jokes to myself, and you know, <laughs> that's a little weird. So that's the first, that would be, um, that's my answer. But I'm so grateful that technology has allowed us to keep teaching and to, you know, to communicate with our loved ones that are so far away. So I'm really embracing the technology yeah. and we're actually taking it to the next level. We're going to be teaching on another platform soon. So that's awesome. I know what yours is. I love it. Is it time for me? It's time for you. So Melanie's birthday was last Saturday. And in quarantine, there wasn't a real experience. Uh, by the way, we don't get each other gifts. We get each other experiences. So it's usually right. traveling, you know, traveling somewhere or, or trying something. So um, Melanie asked me to try to do this ballet class on YouTube. 
And she has a bar here at the house. I'm gonna tell you something right now. Ballet might be the hardest thing I've ever attempted in my life. I was so, I was so fish out of water. It was ridiculous. You did so good though. She's being really sweet about all of this. But let me tell you, it got to the point where like, it's like buckets of sweat are pouring down. For, you know, I love, you know, I love to be active. I'm active all the time. But using these parts of the body that I'm really not familiar with using, which is odd, by the way, um, ballet was one of the most difficult adventures I've ever been on. And um, I, it really brings like a whole new respect for that entire uh, world that I really don't know. Now, the funny thing is, is Melanie and I have a tradition every Christmas, we go to the Nutcracker, the City Ballet Nutcracker in San Diego. And I'm always watching, I'm so impressed with all of the bodies. I'm a huge fan of, of, of the body. Um, it's, just, it's just a gorgeous machine. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll try this. And I never felt more ridiculous in my life. And I'm so glad it was just Melanie who's, who's championed me on this, but she's really, really being sweet. And, uh, but again, one of those things, but, uh, the, the deeper meaning of it was, you know, um, we get used to these routines that we do. Our body gets used to the range of motion that you put it in. So whether it's a, a sport that you love enjoying, whether it's a workout that you continue to do, and the importance is, is to not uh, get so, uh, so in your lane about it and to try these other things and to try these other movements and to really allow the body to express its beautifulness um, through that. And so even though I did not look beautiful at all doing the ballet, I felt beautiful doing it because it was something brand new and different. So I have, I have my ballet shoes and, and my bar. And oh yeah, by the way, she has ballet shoes. She's like, you know, you might want to get some shoes. And I'm like, yeah. And no one gave me the memo. And like the yeah, yeah. Black, they're like 20 bucks. Yeah, apparently, help. apparently yeah. like ballet shoes help a lot. It would be kind of like hiking without shoes. So like now <laughs> I think I'm going to actually have to order these ballet shoes just to keep up with this one. Yeah. And let me just clarify, Probably. it wasn't like a, a, a bar workout class, which I did drag into one day a couple years ago. Huh. This was just a, a, like a classical bar technique. Um, yeah, just a, a beginner's. <laughs> a beginner's, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, he that's- He had his board shorts on and socks and, you know, so he could slip a little bit. Yeah. He did great. It was basically a Hawaiian ballet, yeah. basically. Fantastic. Which, yeah, which doesn't work. Sounds perfect. But anyway, that was the last, that last week Saturday was the last time I tried something for the first time. Yes. Yes. Wild. That's, <laughs> well, that's close. I mean, like there's people that I've asked that question of and they're like, when was the last time I like to be able to try something new requires a certain amount of confidence. It requires a certain amount of self-trust, right? So like, how can people cultivate that within themselves to go and take those risks? For a lot of people doing anything new is terrifying and they avoid it like the plague. So as somebody who just recently decided to do ballet in socks and board shorts, do you have any words of wisdom for people that might be trying something new? Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna do anything, make sure you're wearing the right shoes. 
I will agree with that. And break, <laughs> and break them in properly, right? I guess break them in. Yeah. yeah. What was yours? Yes. What was your last um, time? Oh, man. Um, I would say probably doing all of this. Um, mm-hmm. Just like, or, so the virtual campfire thing came as a replacement for the hike fundraiser that we were supposed to be doing around Chicago. So right now, Barry and I were supposed to be hiking 220 miles around Chicago to raise money for the wellness center, the American Diabetes Association and for rain. And then COVID happened, wiped out everything. And I was like, well, we've already been talking about these dates. We've already been like promoting a fundraiser, even though it was around the city, like, what do we want to do? And I was thinking to myself, I was like, well, I've always had this idea of like a virtual campfire where we all just kind of like sit around and tell stories. And this seems like the perfect time to do that. So who would I want to have at my campfire? And last night, my guest was Kevin Bong, uh, K Bong from Sick Figure. And I was telling him, he sang Jam by the Fire, which is one of my favorite songs that he's released and was kind of the inspiration behind this idea a little bit. Because when I heard that song, I was thinking to myself, I was like, who would be around my campfire? Like in my perfect world, at my dream campfire, who's sitting around here with me? And so we were driving to Sequoia National Forest when I heard this song and I was doing this visualization. And I was like, okay, my campfire, me, Barry, Sue, Dustin, the owners of the Reggae Ranch, um, my friend Kat, my friend Christine, my friend Michelle, my friend Brandy, Kaleo, Melanie, Scott, Kevin, K-Bong. Like, I'm just thinking of like all of the people that I've met that have really good energy that are really aligned. I want to bring them together. So by the time I like wrapped my head around this idea, I had a month to pull it off. So I took every tool in my toolbox from my career in marketing, my career in communications, my career in events, my career in everything that I've ever done. It felt like I've been training for this for my entire life just to do like 20 days of conversations with people by the fire. And this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. This is the first time I've done something live like this where like the entire world could see it if they wanted to because it's up on YouTube. All of my video stuff has been in closed spaces because like it makes me feel safe. So this is kind of a huge step outside of my comfort zone too and not because I'm not confident in my ability to do it and carry a conversation and facilitate in this way but more like what if this is awesome and what if people like it and what if it's like the coolest thing I've ever done like I'm more afraid of success than I am of failure to be honest and this has been just like the biggest confidence booster because this is my lane like I'm having a blast and this has been so much fun that even if like only three people watch it and we got 15 in our group here and we've got however many online but like if if I was the only person here and I was just talking to you and I was just recording it and like maybe three people saw it I'd be stoked because this is fun for me so that's the last time I did something new is like every day is something new for the next however many days we have left of this Awesome. awesome beautifully beautifully said if anybody could boom together in that amount of time, it would definitely be you. Yes. You are a powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and I miss your yeah. energy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you. fun. Yeah. This is I know. I love it. So I have some of this. Yes. This is Spell Botanicals Glow. So for our donors that are here. Well, I think this is backwards. Maybe it's the right way. I don't know. But so Spell Botanicals uh, is Melanie's, um, what, one of Melanie's many things that she does. Um, and so for our, for our VIP donors that purchase the, um, they donated at least $250, they get a kit with like all of this cool stuff in it. And one of the things is this facial oil. 
And in it is this love spell, which I love this so much. I'm going to read this for everybody. It says, I am safe. I am healthy. I am complete. And so it is. So Melanie, I would love to hear a little bit about this because I, have you like always been in cosmetics and the beauty industry? Is this a new thing for you? Like where, where did this come from and what is spell all about? Like what's the mission? What's the purpose? Yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I'm very, very sensitive. My skin is sensitive. Um, the food that I put in my body, I'm sensitive to uh, medications, you know, very, very sensitive. And I was raised very holistically and I was allergic to all the medicines. I was allergic to um, antibiotics um, and just you name it. So my mom, you know, pretty much raised me very, very clean. And when I started using products, I would break out. Um, I, when you couldn't read something, right? It's probably something that you shouldn't put on or in your body. And I went to school for, um, to be a holistic health practitioner. And this was, this started, if I could go way back a little bit, this started from an, an I don't want to say an illness, a condition that I had called trigeminal neuralgia, where I would get these headaches that were so bad that if you've ever gone to the dentist and they hit a nerve and you just have this shooting pain in your head, uh-huh. Yeah, imagine that with my cover for 15 minutes. And it would seem like hours. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and just scream and hold my head. And I think actually the, um, I don't know what it's called, the, the not poster boy, but the painting of the screamer. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Vincent uh, Van Gogh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that is the trigeminal neuralgia like logo, basically. And yeah. I went through so many doctors and procedures and tests and MRIs and everything that I thought I had. MS, they thought I had a, um, a tumor, couldn't figure out, I'm like, oh, trigeminal neuralgia, we're just, you know, usually it happens when you're male and 70, but, you know, you're, you're a female in your 30s, so, or 20s at that time, um, let's just give you medication. And again, I'm sensitive to medication. So they gave me this, this pain blocker, nerve blocker for my brain that would just make me drool and walk into walls and my hair would thin and fall out. It was just horrible. And on the other side of that, for breakthrough pain, because I had to take that one all the time, they gave me um, unlimited Vicodin. And so I'm already sensitive to everything, right? And then they're like, here, just try all these drugs. And one, one day, Kaleo came home from surfing and I was making dinner and I couldn't figure out how to open a bottle of wine. So I got a cleaver because <laughs> I was so drugged up from this. I was so numb from the, the nerve blocker that I tried to take off the foil by like hitting the bottle. And he just grabbed me. He's like, put it down. And he's like, we're throwing that medication away. So this whole time I had been keeping a journal of everything I was eating, everything I was drinking, when the headaches happen, the severity of the headaches, all that. And I kept asking the doctors and the nurse practitioners and everyone, you know, could there be a correlation? I said, no, 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 there's nothing, just take the drugs. And at that point, when this incident happened, I threw away everything. I really read through my journal and realized that I was eating, uh, usually when I would have the episodes, I was eating some sort of like chicken or turkey, some bird. And um, I, I, at this point, had never eaten beef or anything like that. So. I decided even though I'm getting hormone free and we're getting organic, 
the USDA still allows for some antibiotics in their feed. And I'm super allergic to all antibiotics. So I realized that I needed to just cut out all of that. So I did, and that really inspired my, um, my seeking of healing your body naturally from the inside out. And everything you put in your body or put on your body goes into your body. So it went on a little bit deeper into skincare. So when I went to school for all of this, my, part of my HHP was holistic nutrition, and the other part of it is uh, clinical urology. And I got really excited about using herbs for, to heal the skin. And because I let go of all my other products, I decided to just kind of play around in my kitchen and start creating. And I'd share it with my friends and my business partner at the yoga studio, and people started loving it. So I got more and more into creating with the botanicals and using just herbs, just botanicals, and just really clean oils. Everything is 100% organic. Like we we're laughing about on one of the podcasts, you can literally put it on your salad and eat it. It's that clean. And I've grown from um, just a salve, a healing salve, to specific oils to put on your face, cleansing with oils, and not using any surfactants, which is what creates that, you know, the bubbles and the, the sudsiness, no, sudsiness mm -hmm. and everything. Um, that can dry out the skin and just sticking straight to the oils and the botanicals. And I cook with the moon cycles. So in the full that. moon, the herbs and the plants are more potent. So even though I try to get organic wildcrafted as much as I can, even though they're already dried, there's still a potency. There's still medicinal aspect of these beautiful botanicals. So cooking with the full moon just heightens that and amplifies it. And every batch, I give it some Reiki, some Reiki healing. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. So moving on from just starting that, I've taken on a business partner and she is a dear friend of mine. And we have um, decided that moving forward, so she just had a daughter maybe a year ago and she doesn't want her daughter to ever feel less than, right? This is her first child. She struggled with insecurities. I've struggled with insecurities. And we know most people have, right? And we wanted to create a company that doesn't prey on um, what's wrong with you. So if you go to Sephora, you go to Ulta, everything is fix this. You have wrinkles, we'll fix it for you. You need that. I mean, it's all about focusing on what's wrong. And we decided we're not gonna do that. We're gonna focus on self-love instead. So everything that we create is there to help you on this journey of self-love. So not only is it all plant botanicals and oils, everything's organic, but we have affirmations. So when you use these products, it's a ritual of self-love. And that's what we wanna put out. It's a woman-owned, woman-run company, and we want people to feel beautiful from the inside out and feel worthy. No. Yeah. I love it. So and I love the way Kalea looks at you when you talk about it. <laughs> He's like, oh, Mel, you're so dreamy. <laughs> well, it's, it, is, it is fantastic because there is such a heightened awareness about, yeah, what's wrong with you? And the way that Melanie and Shauna are approaching it is like, okay, what's right with you? And instead of yeah. criticizing um, yourself, it's you get the opportunity to improve yourself. And that to, that, that to me is like, 
that's really such a magical key. And um, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a mental shift that I'm looking forward to continuing to talk about and continue to expand to everyone. You know, it's like, there's, you're not broken, you're complete. Mm-hmm. We've, that's, we've that's just true. forgot, we just forgot that because everyone has a, 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 a because most people, not everyone, most people have a, a, an amazing ability to, to focus that you are broken. But when you get to, when you get to a point where you understand like, well, if I could spend less time criticizing myself and more time improving myself, well, then now you have gained the momentum to get to where you want to get to. And that's really important to me. So every, everything about that is, I'm in, I'm, I'm aligned with that. Yeah. And I think it's important yeah. to bring in ritual into your day-to-day life. And that creates balance for me, especially, I mean, you know, who knows what's going on right now in the world, but to have a ritual for, of some sort, it doesn't have to be a skincare regimen, um, but if it, if you can create some sort of a self-love ritual out of what you do on your day-to-day basis, it's so um, healing. Mm-hmm. You know, we, Shauna and I, Shauna is my business partner in this, we had this, um, just a mini little self-love workshop virtually, and I, I think Amanda was on there, and um, she did this meditation, this guided meditation. She told me she was going to do it, but she didn't actually tell me what it was going to be. And here I am trying to help facilitate this workshop with her online. And I'm just crying. It was so powerful because she brought us back to walking into a field and you see your four-year-old self and your four-year-old self looks up at you with so much love in her, in her eyes. And you look down and, and love this four-year-old child. And it was just this, yeah, I'm going to start crying now. There's this beautiful moment of meeting yourself as a child and First of all, the child letting you know that you're worthy and beautiful, right? And then you also healing your um, relationship with self from when you were younger. So this meditation was so powerful and we still get people emailing about us about it that we're on that little workshop. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. But it's so important when we um, start to look at the things that are beautiful and are right and and really step into that power and, and going back to the ritual i think that's why it's so important is the more you say it the more you believe it and so even before i was you know taking spell to the next level i would use the couple of minutes that it takes in the morning and in the evening as this self-love rit- ritual and just massage the oil into my face and say my affirmations and you know i i just turned 48 years old on Saturday and yeah, I, I, I'm able to say it now with confidence, but that's the oldest I've ever been, man. You know, that's kind of scary every year when you say yeah. it's like, hmm. but then I come back to, okay, coming back to my ritual, right? I love myself. I am perfect, full and complete. I'm safe. All of these things are so important to keep repeating. And then you start to feel comfortable with them. I've had people that I, I teach in the yoga teacher training. We have a little thing where we, we tell them to go home and look in the mirror and say, I love you, look in their own eyes. And we've had people say that they can't do it. They just absolutely can't do it. They start crying. And But the more you practice this, the more you, you believe it and you feel it. So that's why I created Spell. <laughs> that's Dang. our whole is to is bring back self-love and not 
buy into the fact that, you know, you go somewhere and people say, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. We can fix that for you. No, it's mm -hmm. all about what's in here. I love that. So oh, the that's so that good. Have, the oil that um, I gave to your, um, to this group is called Glow. And this is just kind of a, a lightweight oil. It's made with a base of sweet almond. Everything's organic sweet almond oil, and then it has um, calendula flowers and rose buds, petals, and rose hips. And all of this is infused in the oil um, for a, at a very, very low, low temperature, just barely warm um, over a period of time. And then it's extracted and it's, there's no, um, no fragrance. There's nothing that you can't read or understand. Yeah. I love that. Oh, thank you. Well, all of our VIP donors are going to be very, very happy. And I'm very excited for them because this looks amazing. So question for you, Kaleo. Um, one of the things that we're talking about in this chapter is like trying something new. One of the most recent songs from uh, your new album is Brand New Day. So I would love to hear about the inspiration for that and then just kind of set up the, um, the songs that you recorded for the folks here who have donated? So uh, Brand New Day, so Locomotion, the latest Pepper release was a really interesting concept. We knew that we would be separated, the three band members, because um, we have now Yassad living in LA, Brett's living in Spain, and I'm living in San Diego. What Locomotion was- Wait, what? Brett's yeah. in Spain? Brett's in Spain. When did that happen? Yep, he's in LA. Well, we, we've, we've all been kind of preparing for this. So we came out with um, Locomotion. The entire album, this is kind of a, a fun um, little insight. The entire album is recorded remotely between the three of us. What the three of us did was we basically came up with a click track, which is a metronome, a key of the song, an arrangement with a scratch guitar that's not even used, the lyrics and the melody and the harmonies, we all took care of in-house. Then what we did is we sent those files off to different people like Scott from Stick Figure, David Floral from The Dirty Heads, Noah Cronin, who does a lot of work in Hawaii with a lot of the Hawaiian artists, Wayne Lothian, who's uh, uh, the, um, the bass player for English Beat, uh, and, uh, Naughty Dawn, which is an incredible DJ group, and Henry Fong. And we sent like these, like these tracks. This was one of the biggest unattachment lessons that I have ever experienced in my life. Because just giving them the bones to a song that you've worked on with your, with your buddies, very concentrated, and allowing them to color it in. There, that's a good example. Let's, let's go to that. It's a coloring book, right? So at a coloring book, you get like uh, all of the, basically the picture's drawn, but the color isn't there. And so we allowed them, oh, you got that? Oh, yes. Beautiful. And we allowed, we allowed other musicians and other producers to color in the pages and talk about an attachment. You know, we've, we've been a band for over 20 years. We get into a garage and we knock the songs out together, coming up with all of the parts. That gets to be, um, well, of course it was perfect at the time, but now I'm finding that if I can become unattached, 
and allow the songs to be the best that they can be without me having to control that or having us control that, it really opened up so much. And so now we're already working on Locomotion 2 because we can, we have, the, yeah, we have everything. And like really the COVID-19 situation has allowed us to get a head start on it, which is, you know, when you try to find the good, that's an incredible point right there for us. Um, and yeah, we are working remotely. And so Brand New Day was a song that, you know, uh, we worked on and we sent to Dave Floral and Jungle Josh and they colored it in. It was just, it was just an acoustic song. So the great thing about um, doing Brand New Day, which, which basically Brand New Day is, it's the opportunity to remember that your power is in the now. It is not in the past. It's not in the future. You actually get to step into a quantum level now, into the quantum field now. You get to create now. Now is all your power. And Brand New Day is a reminder to me. You know, a lot of people always ask, guys, so who did you write that song for? I wrote it for me. In fact, I wrote all of them for me because <laughs> I am trying to understand myself going through life. And if you resonate with that, awesome. That's if we can share that right on. And uh, Brand New Day is just about focusing on where your power is. And it is in the now. And it is kind of like a, uh, it's a memory of like, you know, the past has taught me this. And the future, well, that's unwritten. But right now is a brand new day. And I get to do that. And uh, a really cool thing is, like I said, it usually is a scratch guitar that we sent off to these producers. Well, you are listening to Brand New Day at the point of conception. It really is a beautiful situation where I can just be on an acoustic guitar where it kind of all started. Whether I was like in the back of a tour bus, in a hotel room, in uh, Buenos Aires, uh, in my in my bedroom uh, or, or in my studio at four o'clock in the morning. These are usually how the songs visit me. And so um, Brand New Day Acoustic, which uh, you will have to play later, is exactly that moment, that intimate connection when, um, when the universe pays you a visit, pay attention and then, and, and then record it. <laughs> so that's that. And then also, I know that you only asked for Brand New Day, but. You also said that you were um, a, a fan of the invite and I'm such a huge fan of you and Barry and, and everything that you do. I really, really am so impressed with you and Barry that um, I, I threw on another one too. I threw on the invite. So um, hopefully everyone here can enjoy that as well. And so tell people set up the invite too, cause that's a great song. And, I'm, and I, when we got the file, I was like, Barry, it's nine minutes long. There's more than one song. This is fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the invite as well. Cause that song, I, I believe the first time, like I'm sure I heard it, it was in rotation on our playlist and all that stuff. But the first time I heard it and like heard it and heard it was at the privateer the night that we like actually got to sit down and connect a little bit at that pepper wine event. So set up the invite as well. Wait, could, could I just ask you, how did it make you feel? How did it hit you? What, what feelings brought, what feelings did that song bring to you? The, well, so the way that I consume music usually, like if a new album comes out is I lay down headphones in or Beautiful. turn it up as loud as we can wherever we're at. And I read the lyrics as I listen. I'm a word wow. nerd. I'm a writer, like lyrics matter. So 
in there was the one line in particular was about don't uh something just kick down the fucking door and yeah. i was like yes that's it like and in that moment because this was september 2018 i had booked my speaking tour but i hadn't done it yet um I think I had done my first event where I was doing like a test run at the improv theater where I studied so I could like stand on a stage and deliver my talk for the first time. But we hadn't hit the road. We hadn't sold the van. Everything was still like so fresh and new. And it was just like dream phase. Like it was about to start happening, but it hadn't yet. And like, I felt that in my soul, I was like, this is what I'm like, as far as like life goes, I was kicking down the door because I had spent so much time especially as a survivor of sexual assault who didn't tell anybody for 11 years, I had spent so much time not even knocking on the door and hiking my feelings for me felt like I was about to just kick it down. Like it is time to go. This is my moment. This is what's happening. And so that's why I connected with that song. And, and, and I think that's actually the, the perfect um, explanation of that song. It's the same thing too. How many times have all of us just kind of like been like in a little, well, well it, it was brought up, uh, you know, it's sometimes that fear of trying something new. Or fear of success. The fear of like success, all of that. It's really just, you know, that's the basis of it. And we all get there. You know, that's, that's another thing too. It's like, it's okay. We, we all get there. And it's nothing like wrong with you. It's just, again, the song is written for who? Me. It was a reminder for me to stop like being so hesitant on the things that I'm expanding to. We're all expanding every day that we're here. We're expanding, we're expanding, we're expanding into the next greatest, grandest version of ourselves. And we kind of get, kind of get on that cliff and we start to question if we can, if we can make the jump. And a lot of people don't, I don't on a lot of situations. And so if Same. I do, yeah, if I do need a reminder, then I wrote that song to help me remember that jumping is okay. I love that. Yeah. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Jump, jump, jump. Go on and get it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys, so I know you've got a Pepper Wine experience coming up. Is that still, do you still have tickets available for that? Unfortunately, no. I just recorded. Oh, I, I just re I just recorded the entire shit today. But you know, we have these pepper wine experiences, and the beautiful thing is, like, we get to strip it down because if you've seen a pepper show, you understand that we don't really have the the intimacy that we had at the privateer when you and Barry showed up, and I was able to just come to your table, drink some wine, and we'll, you know, talk story, and and um, that to me is what makes these pepper wine experiences so incredible because you do make it a very intimate setting. And then you get to pair our wine that we're making with Thomas with the songs that we have made. And instead of like, you know, pairing it with the cheese and the grapes and the bread, and it's more of a pairing between the wine and the music. And uh, of course, oh, I love all the other stuff too. Don't get me wrong. Cheese, bread, yeah. <laughs> For sure. But, right, right, right. Yeah. But, um, but just a different way to see wine. We like to break it down because a lot of people can get intimidated with wine. It can be pretentious. It can be intimidating. But for, but for us, if you like the music, we like the wine. And so you don't really um, have a lot to worry about. Just show up, enjoy a glass of wine, enjoy some of the songs acoustically. 
And um, keeping it small is incredible. So with this virtual experience because of COVID, we are uh, sending the bottles to the households. And the, each, each box that we send has enough tastings for four people in a household. So if it's your family, if it's your roommates, we wanna be really respectful for what we don't know. COVID-19, we don't know. Don't know if it's a fluke, don't know if it's the most real thing in the world. I really don't care. What I care about though is, what I care about though is I like people to feel comfortable if they're going to be coming to a, a live event or a virtual event. And so we are able to send these boxes out I pre-recorded the show because I really do care about how it looks and sounds. Um, and then um, I will be doing a live Q&A with Thomas uh, on June 3rd. And then those participants get a private link to watch the show. I love that. Yeah. And I love, I, love the, I love how clear you are on what you want to do and how you want it to present itself. Because I've asked... A handful of artists we've got a great lineup of people that are doing stuff here and you were the first and so far the only person that was like yes i'd love to be a part of this and also i'd like to give you something that you can send to people after because you're so clear on what you want it to sound like and how it shows up so thank you for being clear on that because some people are just like yeah let's do it and then like it's fine and it's so far it's been great but i i love the clarity and how that gives people something they can take away that they can watch whenever they want both with the pepper wine experience and with the songs that you recorded for us so thank you for that because i know that when i'm down or sad or whatever i that's going to be one of the first things i look up to because one this chat and like the vibe of the whole campfire experience that we're doing here this is fun for me so when i want to get back into this place into this now and like bring this feeling back those mm. songs are going to just put us right back in that place. So thank you for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was my pleasure. And like I said, I'm, I'm, we are huge fans of you and Barry and you know, your message thank is you. so, it's so needed, you know, and um, we're going to have so much fun working with you guys for years and years to come. Yeah. Retreats all day. <laughs> I do now, right? <laughs> oh, the floodgates will be, okay. be open once we're able to do it again. We're just going to be booking them all. Oh my gosh. So fun. It's going to be nuts, and I'm so looking forward to it. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. We love you. Barry sends his love. Barry, if you want to like come say hi or bye, you're more than welcome to. He's <laughs> <laughs> on this side. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. Good to see you, man. Oh my gosh, I love that. Again, thank you so much. Thank for you this. so much. Yeah. And, um, to everyone out there, like, oh, we love you. Be safe. Be healthy, and we'll see you soon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So. See you soon. So now, quick little break here. So I mentioned before, um, for anybody that's watching on YouTube, um, we are currently raising money for the Hiking My Feelings Wilderness Wellness Center. I am sitting on the property right now where we'll be building. This is the Reggae Ranch. It's in Julian, California. We're nestled on nine acres here in the Cuyamaca Mountains. And I am going to be building, or it's going to be built up that direction. The views are that direction and that direction and all around. Um, so what we're raising money for is the wellness center itself. We're also committing 10% of the proceeds from this event to the American Diabetes Association and 10% to RAIN, which is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. Um, for those who haven't heard my whole story and we haven't gotten that far in the book yet, um, 
I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in September 2017, and that's when hiking really became part of my life. That's when I realized that I was hiking my feelings instead of eating and drinking my feelings because of this diabetes diagnosis. When I learned how to make these healthy changes in my life, and I knew that I could heal my body from the inside out, like Melanie was saying earlier, that was the path I wanted to go with this. And hiking became my sanctuary where I could process feelings and emotions and things that were going on and also move my body in a healthy way. Um, so for the American Diabetes Association, they're on a mission to find a cure and to improve the lives of people living with diabetes, whether that's type one, type two, or pre-diabetes. And Rain is on a mission to support survivors of sexual assault. So if you're listening, if you're watching, if you have survived something, um, if you survived sexual assault, or if there's that one time that you think something bad might've happened, but you've been kind of like pushing it down um, and you need somebody to talk to, Rain is a great resource. You can go to rain.org where you can find the phone number for their hotline. You can also do an online chat if you need somebody to talk to. But 10% um, to Rain, 10% to the American Diabetes Association, and then the 80% um, that goes back to us is going straight into construction for this center. So if you're watching and you'd like to give and help us out and help us get there and spread this work and spread this message, you can go to hikingmyfeelings.org give, and there you can enter your own um, donation amount. If you're watching on YouTube and you're like, wow, this is incredible. I, A, want to support this organization and B, I want to come to all of these and participate in these group chats, participate in the Q&A, participate in the group gratitude circle and win these prizes, then you can go to hikingmyfeelings.org slash campfire. And that's where we have the different passes available um, and outlined there. So as we transition here, um, I mentioned in this chapter that I had a blister about an hour into this sucker. And now Tyler from Solomon is going to join us. Um, they are the makers of this shoe that I love hiking in. This is the Speed Cross. Uh, this is the four. I don't even know what model you guys are on these days, but this, I have never had so much grip in a shoe. Like, and I'm not sponsored. They're not paying me to say any of this. Like I bought these with my own money. I am just so obsessed with the grip on these shoes. These, these shoes in particular went from Colorado all the way around the US as we were hiking and healing this year or last year with people. So Tyler, I know you probably make these all yourself. So thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm just so excited to have you here. So tell me a little bit about you and how you got into the outdoor space and working for Solomon in particular, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on tonight, Sydney. Uh, appreciate this. I think it's a, a fun, innovative way for you to keep things going for yourself and the foundation. So that's super cool. Um, about myself, uh, I grew up in Northern California. My parents' home is uh, a small town of Auburn, California. It's uh, between Sacramento and Tahoe off the Highway 80 corridor there. And um, conveniently enough, when we moved uh, there when I was just starting first grade, we were only about a block from uh, a California state park. The, the American River Canyon Park is kind of, uh, that state park was my backyard where we grew up. And my parents really put an emphasis on getting out and exploring. So that was, you know, feeding my brother on bike rides uh, when we were little, um, trying to keep up with mom and dad when they would go on their, their jogs on weeknights. And then, um, later on in life, going down to the river with friends, jumping off uh, rocks and cliffs and realizing just how, how cool it was to have so much kind of access in our backyard. That's so awesome. And yeah. so what brought you to Solomon? Yeah. Am I so, saying that right? I have a weird thing about pronouncing words. Is that, am I nailing it? <laughs> if, we were, if we were in France, it might be like Solomon, but uh, okay. it's Solomon for sure. Um, cool, so thanks. <laughs> 
Auburn is is kind of known as the endurance capital in the world of the world um, because it has a ton of horse races, bike races, and trail running races that kind of are of the ultra distance. Um, and so I actually uh, got really drawn into trail running while I was living there. And um, Solomon was a natural fit. So I started repping in Northern California, doing a bunch of field events, um, just kind of circling around out there. And uh, Solomon's headquarters are out in Utah. And so I, uh, I quickly vocalized how much I'd like to be a bigger part of the team and work at the, the HQ for North America out here. And um, now I've been with Solomon for five years, working with them uh, on product education and uh, community events. Awesome. Well, yeah. I would love for you to help everybody watching and probably myself, because I could use a refresher. Um, what, like, how do you not get blisters? Show me a shoe, tell me something, like give me your dirty yeah. secrets. Because getting one an hour into a six day trip, like that was murder on my feet. <laughs> I, I felt your pain as you were reading that chapter. Um, I think most of us can relate. And if we can't, then uh, it's probably coming our way. Um, but that said, it's not that blisters are inevitable. Um, we definitely have some good tips around that. Um, first and foremost, there's three things that cause blisters. There's moisture, there's heat, and there's friction. So what you need to do is eliminate one of those, ideally two of those, and you've kind of eliminated the, the recipe for a blister to occur. Um, so first and foremost is a proper fitting shoe. The second is uh, footwear or socks that will help eliminate some of the moisture from around your foot. And then uh, third for me is always uh, some sort of anti-chafing cream. So the, the two that come to mind that I've always enjoyed are Squirrel's Nut Butter or Body Glide. Um, so that when you, you know, start feeling a hot spot, you just rub that on there and that eliminates that friction. Proper fit eliminates both friction and moisture. And then, you know, a well-ventilated shoe that's uh, kind of designed for your sport or your activity does a good job of controlling for all three. Dang. Yeah. I wish I knew that. <laughs> so body glide. No kidding. Okay. So like I'll be my preemptive. move to reduce friction. Yeah. Hit me. I'll be preemptive. So if I like when I'm coming out of um, kind of off the couch, as you described in your chapter where it's like, oh man, I haven't been doing much. I've just kind of been, you know, very low level of activity. And I know that that's coming my way, whether that's ski season or I have a big trip planned or I want to kind of get back in trail running shape. Um, I'll definitely make sure that uh, I've got some good socks, either synthetic or wool. And then uh, additionally, before I even start going out the door, I'll just take a little stick of the stuff and rub it where I know I'm usually prone. So that's like right on the back of the ball of my foot, kind of where the arch begins or right on the back of the heel, kind of where that Achilles cord comes down into the foot. And then sometimes on the, the top of like my baby toe um, is another spot that I've just noticed. So if I hit that with a little bit of uh, body glide beforehand, put on the right socks and shoes, you get for the first month and uh, you've kind of eliminated, you've toughened your feet up to the, the idea of, you know, moving that much. And uh, then it's just up to having the proper fitting shoes. Sweet. And so I, my first, like on that first hike, I just had a pair of like boots that were not even boots. They were hiking shoes, but not trail runners. So could you sure. help identify the difference? Because now I 
I am uh, a big fan of trail runners. I don't, I feel like I don't have to break them in. I feel like they fit like a sneaker. They feel super comfy. And the speed grass in particular, like the lugs on that thing are better than any other shoe I've tried. And I've tried probably every brand. Um, So what, what is, what's the difference between like a hiking boot, a shoe and a trail runner? Those are great questions. It's kind of uh, what I wanted to focus on as a brand. Solomon, Solomon got into the, the outdoor world on the ski side of things, right? We've been doing skis since 1940s, started with ski edges and then bindings and then eventually boots. Um, but then, you know, a couple bad winters and the, the team over in France realized that we needed to diversify and probably plan for some warmer months because ski season is pretty limited. And so we started actually taking some of our very first Nordic boots and converting them over, put a rubber sole on the bottom. And this is, you know, 40, 45 years ago. Um, so we have a ton of technology because we're the, we're, Solomon's the number one uh, boot manufacturer, ski boot manufacturer in the world. And so we have a ton of different foot shapes and data that we work with. And we've expanded that into both hiking and running at this point. So when you talk about a trail running shoe, I've got a couple props here. Um, this is for me, what is a traditional trail running shoe? Um, it's lightweight. There's good traction on the bottom of this thing, really grips. Um, but more importantly, it's flexible for me. And you can really see just kind of how flimsy it is, right? It really lets my foot do the work. It's lightweight. And that's really cool when I'm running. Um, and it feels really ventilated when I hike in it. The problem is if I throw a pack on, the shoe's just not designed for that durability for the extra weight. And the gait, basically the way the human body moves, the foot strikes between running where it's kind of a very toes forward situation to walking where we tend to plod a little bit more and really emphasize that heel toe roll. Um, The traction's not always designed for it if it's a really specific running shoe. So you can see the durability disappear quicker. The next option is to go with something that's truly a hiking shoe. So for us, this is the outline family. It's built from the same last of all of our trail running shoes, but it's a little bit more durable. So it provides you that sneaker fit that you like in a a trail running shoe. Um, You can see it, it's low cut, but there's a couple features. This full rubber bottom here offers just a little bit more structure. So it's really flexible in the toe, but I don't get quite as much bend in the back half of the shoe, right? Like it just doesn't, it protects my body a little bit. And when I throw a pack on, this allows a little bit more flex because it's just, you know, it takes a little bit more energy to bend it, but it's not going to be enough to, to really feel overbearing. It feels, you know, casual and lightweight. Um, the next step is what we really call a hiking boot. And that's going to be something like this. This is often a traditional like boot structure where it comes up above the heel. You're going to have more aggressive traction system. But the real play here is this is durable and protective. Right. So when you start hiking um, and you're going to start doing some overnight stuff, you're going to be carrying a pack. The durability that you'll get out of this versus a trail running shoe is going to be significant Um, with the trail, with the hiking shoe. Where is that low cut that I showed you? It's good for a couple overnights um, during the summer. But if you're going to be planning on going on multiple overnights, multi-day treks, this really starts to make a difference by having not only the added height, you get better waterproof protection better uh, protection from gravel and grit dropping into the shoe. Um, and then additionally, the traction system, while the lugs are a little bit closer together, they also do a really good job of providing durability and, and a better traction range through a whole range of terrains, which really just leaves us with one level of shoe left. And that's gonna be 
the backpacking boot. And so this one is going to oh. be significantly stiffer. Again, some flex out of the toe, but we're, there's actually built-in components in the rear half of the shoe that really kind of stabilize the foot, right? So this is when you're loading up that pack on day one and you're looking for that protection and you know you're going to be crossing creeks, going through scree fields. Um, if there's any, you know, if you start stomping through vegetation, um, especially early season where trails are overgrown and you're going through poison oak or blackberries, stinging nettle, all of that, this starts to actually protect not only your foot, but the whole body, right? You're not getting rashes, you're not getting um, bug bites, spider bites, um, snake bites even. You have more protection from the overall element and that durability level is a lot higher. Um, so it's not necessarily, you know, what shoe is best? The question is, what's the best shoe for your chosen activity? Right. And then even within that, because I feel like, so what is the weight on your hiking boot versus a trail runner? Because for me, like, and with the army research and stuff, it was like, what, an ounce on your foot is a pound on your back or something? Exactly. An ounce on your foot is a pound on their back? Yeah. One pound on your so, foot is, is six pounds on your back is the Damn. is the stat that we traditionally use um yeah but that's significant right solomon's solomon's approach has always been the athletic outdoor brand so we always want our approach to the outdoors to be fast and light in the mountains athletic is kind of you know everybody has their own athletic capabilities and we just want whoever's out there to have the proper equipment but more importantly the least amount of equipment that's appropriate for them so if I'm going to go backpacking through, you know, through the Uintas right here in our backyard in Utah, and I know I'm going early season where I'm still encountering snow, I'm going to have to carry more food because of all that. I'm going to go with a true backpacking boot, right? Because that's going to provide a lot. But we're still talking about a shoe that's just under one pound, right? It's, it's not so bad. The pair is coming in at about two pounds. Um, so still pretty lightweight can you know, when viewed against the traditional backpacking boot. Meanwhile, um, if I'm just going to go do a nice, uh, you know, kind of fast approach and just try and get up to one of the local summits here, the trail running shoe is absolutely my option. And we're talking about a shoe now that's a, at a half a pound. So you really strip things away. Um, you know, this is, this is about an eight ounce shoe, right? And so this is going to be really lightweight um, and much more nimble but I also lack durability. So it, it just really applies to the circumstances that you're using it in. What you have pointed out is you're in the, the speed cross four there. Yeah. We, um, we are currently on the speed cross five, but what's really cool is we actually have a hiking specific speed cross type shoe coming out in just uh, in a month called the cross hike. And it really brings that, that speed cross, you know, traction, that fit that really kind of hugs the heel and all of that. Um, and that lightweight nature, but comes in a mid top and offers that durability of a real hiking shoe instead of kind of beating, beating the shoes up when you start carrying heavier, heavier loads. Awesome. That is great news. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're super That's excited fantastic. about that. Um, the cross hike is coming out basically, uh, you know, middle of next month. So we're really excited. So we have a couple questions. Um, uh, Michelle says, I've been having such a hard time finding the right running shoes. I suffer from plantar fasciitis, so I need lots of support in the right places. Does support differ between the shoe models? Yes and no. Um, 
we're not building in specific support for, for something like plantar fasciitis. Um, it's really the a detachment of the of the tendon from the heel. So for her, she probably feels like she's often like stepping on a nail directly in the bottom of her heel is kind of where that pain manifests. Um, what you really need to do is have proper arch support so that that tendon doesn't get pulled as the foot stretches out. Um, you know, all of our hiking boots offer it. What you really get for most shoes is not directly underfoot arch support. It's how the side of the shoe wraps up. So a proper fitting shoe, if it's either wide enough or narrow enough for the, the user's foot, if, if it wraps that foot up from underneath and then over the top, and it really wraps that arch, you can start to feel some of that relief. Um, but custom insoles or, you know, drop in insoles where you pull our sock liner out and put in a new one um, can definitely help with some of that as well. Awesome. And then Jess is asking, can you speak on sustainability and your brand? Sure. So this is actually a pretty cool one. Um, this is something that I know has been really close to, to my heart and uh, a lot of the people at the company. Um, we've been doing a lot for sustainability, but the brand has always felt that it was inauthentic to talk about it. Like we weren't doing enough. And so they just like didn't even want to address it. Um, but we've been making recycled ski boots for you know years now where boots come back in and almost any of the boots that are black that come out of our factory in Austria are like a you know, 90% post-pursuit recycled, uh, con you know, uh, plastics and content, which is super cool. Um, we just won an award this year uh, at the Outdoor Retailer Show in January. Um, we actually have a shoe that comes out next, next uh, January or February called the Solomon Index 01, and it's a completely recyclable shoe. So it's a, it's a road running shoe, but the problem is, is there's so many glues that go into a shoe like this that when you're done, it's kind of, you know, there's glue here, this is foam, this is, you know, TPUs and meshes, and it's a, like too many materials. We've made a shoe that's completely, it's one level of TPU foam or TPU. And so it just can, can basically get yanked apart and it's, it's welded together rather than glued. It's just like melted plastic essentially. And then you can recycle the entire shoe. Um, so we're gonna turn that plastic that, you know, from the shoe right back into ski boots, into new shoes. And so we're super excited about that. Um, we also work with uh, a couple different agencies to make sure that we're in compliance. So like all of our shoe boxes um, come from properly managed forests so that there's no clear cutting involved in that. Um, for the ski side of our business, we direct drop ship. So like partners like Vail Ski Resorts has been you know, on the ski side, it's our largest partner. Um, we'll direct ship from our factory to them. We eliminate all the plastic and wrapping on our skis and, because it's going to them and they're just gonna put it out on a shelf. So we eliminate as much packaging as possible. So they just get these big metal crates that they then send back to us at the factory. And then we get to ship to them in the next year with the same products. Um, so we've done a lot. And then, um, you know, uh, one of my coworkers, Becky, has been really involved in the the play-minded program where it's uh, focusing on, you know, a couple aspects, but it's really the, the brand focusing on the playground, the playmakers, um, the, the players. So it's like the employees, the, the athletes, the playground, and then, um, you know, what, what else we're looking at there so that it's a well-rounded because it's more than just the environment it's the people involved as well.
That is so cool. I love that is like a ton of information about sustainability. So that's great. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. No um, and, and then, uh, so you have some, and I see Becky's on, so maybe Becky wants to talk to this or you can too, but I saw that you're doing, um, like this women's beauty box kind of thing. There's some really cool social media initiative. One, yeah. where can we find you guys on social media and where can we like hear the stories? And then also what, what is this? Cause it sounds awesome. Yeah. Part of, uh, part of the campaign is, I mean, that athletic outdoor has kind of always been focused on performance in the outdoors. And that's just been a little bit more male oriented and we were missing a larger conversation uh, to our consumer group. So we saw them as a brand and really wanted to make sure that we were more inclusive and women uh, were a very obvious segment that we were missing. Um, that, you know, our message just wasn't coming across to them. So we actually have uh, the Solomon WMN campaign. So hashtag Solomon WMN. And um, we're just wrapping up our first campaign of the year around that, but it was really successful last year. Um, we've been doing a ton of posts online, but, you know, within the U.S. we have, you know, um, I think we have, what is it, 100 ambassadors posting online, but the, the reach that we've seen, the content, there's been over 5,000 posts this month, over 20 million views. Um, we're really excited about it. And the beauty boxes that you mentioned, um, we're doing a giveaway. So you basically break these beauty cliches. So kind of like, um, you know, the guests right beforehand where they were talking about, you don't have to fix problems. What we want to do is make the outdoors more inviting. So we did this whole campaign around like breaking modern cliches that you typically find on Instagram around beauty. So like, you know, hairstyle or your outfit of the day. And it's like, oh, your outfit of the day is actually whatever you put on and you function in. It doesn't need to be, you know, some special <laughs> outfit. Um, and your hair care can actually, hashtag hair, hairstyle is actually, you know, however it blow dries itself while you're mountain biking down uh, a ridgeline. Um, and just really kind of embracing what's naturally happening to us and, and getting out and being active and how, how everybody's bodies are beautiful. I love that so much. So on that note, because I like giveaways, um, you want to talk yeah. about what you guys are contributing to this uh, fun time here while I do my drawing out of my shoe? <laughs> For sure. So we have, uh, I, we gave you uh, three swag bags that we're going to mail out uh, on Monday morning after this drawing here but they're gonna include uh, a Solomon hat. Uh, they're also gonna include a pair of uh, wool socks that we've made specifically for this year. Um, we also have a head sleeve, which in this time is actually really functional, right? You can use it as a headband, but more importantly as a face mask, um, which when you're on the trail, you get that thing wet in the summertime. And then when you're passing people, it's really nice to just pull up over your nose and mouth. And then um, we also have some limited, uh, limited edition collector's pins. Um, that we'll include as well. So four things per swag bag, get you set up uh, with all the Solomon goodies out there right now. I love it. And we have three of those, right? Yep. All right. So our first winner, Christine Sheridian, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Congratulations. Ooh. Number two, Liz Rangel. Liz, congratulations. Yay, Liz. And last but certainly not least, Jennifer Alechko. Jennifer is, oh, Jennifer's here today. She's in the chat. Hey girl, hey, what up? Awesome. Congrats, Jennifer. <laughs> so, congratulations. Uh, and I will get those addresses to you, Tyler, and then we'll have those out um, for these people next week, yeah? 
Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, we'll get them mailed on Monday. Perfect. So thank you so much for all of your education, for your time, um, for Solomon's commitment to sustainability and making the outdoors more inclusive. We are all about that here. So excited to um, know everything that you guys are doing to make the world outdoors more inviting, more inclusive, and a better place. So awesome. thank you so well, much you for being so here and thank you for your support. Thank you. We really appreciate the platform and uh, what you're doing. So keep it up and thank you for having us tonight. Yeah, thank you. Take care. All right. So up next, Miss Amanda Dulong. Amanda and I met at the Fort Worth tour stop. Um, she came hiking with us. She came to the talk at REI. Since we left, she's like started this wonderful hiking community in the Dallas Fort Worth area with <clears throat> folks that similar to kind of like what we're doing out here at the Reggae Ranch World. We just like music. We like hiking. We like good vibes. Um, and Amanda has an incredible story. So introduce yourself. Where are you? Who are you? And uh, we'll go from there. So, um, hi, I'm Amanda. I live in Texas. Um, let's see. I'm a mom of three. I have a recent high school graduate. Super proud of him. Um, yeah, married for 13 years. Um, love it. I live in the country. I have two longhorn cows. Um, yeah, I don't know. I love it. So where, um, let's talk about hiking first. So how has hiking impacted your life just in general? Um, in the best ways possible. <laughs> so I forgot when I was a kid, you know how, like you get, you get older, you turn 16, you start your job and you work and work and work and you're like, oh yeah, life. Right. I forgot that I got all these awesome vacations with my dad and uh, my bonus mom. And we always went hiking. And so when we went hiking, I was like, oh, I like that. Let's go do that some more. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so me and Sarah just kind of kept going. And uh, there are a couple other girls that I was hiking with from uh, my little town that's up the road because I'm kind of like in between all these areas. I'm way out in the country. Um, but, yeah, we just kind of kept going. And some girls would drive like an hour out. And uh, I kept posting the pictures. And they were like, I want to go hiking. Like, yeah, did you know you can hike five minutes from my house and it doesn't look like, you know, it's mountaintop type views kind of. So it's been addictive. I love it. And I've met some that's really awesome. cool chicks. And that's good too. Yeah. The community around hiking in particular, like hiking and talking about feelings is really fun because it's a nice safe <laughs> place to just talk about stuff and you don't have to, if you don't want to, but knowing that it's okay is really yeah. cool. Um, yeah. so one of the things when we were hiking, you had told me, um, about breast implant sickness, like an illness that you got or some condition that came as a result of having breast implants. And you're really passionate about this and you want women to know about it. Cause apparently there's a whole contingent of women running around this country or the world with implants that are poisoning them. So I would love to talk about that. So take it away. <laughs> So I'm really excited that I also get to follow Melanie and Kaleo and because I use all of Melanie's stuff, partially because I am so sensitive, just like her, the implants made that even more so. Um, so I don't even know how to like compartmentalize this, but let me just start by saying that when you go in and you are like, Hey doctor, I want some breast implants, um, or butt implant or any silicone type thing that you can put in your body, saline implants included. Um, they're supposed to give you this little form from the manufacturer that says, Hey, these are the manufacturer warnings. You could have a 
predisposition to connective tissue disorders. If you Google that, there's a long list of autoimmune diseases, arthritis, um, lupus, fibromyalgia, uh, gosh, chronic fatigue syndrome. I mean, it's freaking everything, right? So they're supposed to tell you that. Well, there's no law. They don't have to tell you that. So that's kind of like the mission that uh, a lot of the women who have kind of taken charge of the movement are on to get that FDA approved that like they're required to tell you. So right now you're just kind of thrown to the wolves and they're like, oh, we'll make you look pretty. And, you know, come back in seven years now to do it again because, you know, you have to keep replacing them. Um, Mm. But yeah, I I I had a huge... Yeah. And if you don't, they fall apart at year seven. They slowly, the moment you put them in your body, if you want to get all kind of sciencey and nerd out with me for a second, your body forms like this scar tissue around the capsule or uh, around the implant called a capsule. Some women have really thin capsules. They don't ever have problems. Some have like ones that turn into rocks. I didn't have that. I was really lucky. Mine was just, you know, normal and thin. And, um, so how should I line this out? <laughs> There's so much. However to you say. want. Uh, so, yeah. so let's see. Yeah, I got my lump um, removed in 2004. Uh, that's the whole reason why I got implants in the first place. I started off as a small A. Um, they took a kiwi size lump out of one side, and the the surgeon came in and he was like, "Dude!" Literally said, "Dude, you should have seen it. It was huge." Not what you want to hear, right? So um, the next year, I just, you know, I was really healthy. I had never been more fit in my life. And I'm like, let's fix this. Why not? You know, I'm not. Yeah, let's just do it. And um, I did it. And the guy. So he, he, we agreed on a small size, a C, barely C. He made me a double D. I woke up and I was like, so violation, right? You get violated whenever you get implants. They're never the same size as you agree to when you go in. Everybody knows this. Um, so then he was like, oh, yeah, sure. Six grand and we'll fix it. We'll take it out and put smaller ones in. It's like, dude, I don't have any more cash. So, you know, for a period, I'm not going to lie. I liked having them. It was interesting. Um, really interesting to see both perspectives. Like I have no shame. I am flat. I love it. I had itty bitties. I'm part of the itty bitty titty club and I have never been so freaking thrilled to be part of it. Um, but I was so big. I couldn't like boob big. I couldn't hug my husband. I couldn't spoon. None of that. You, you can't exercise the same or any, you know, exercising type things. Um, so anyway, uh, Let's see. I kind of made notes. Hold on. So yeah, I got the implants in 2005. Um, then I decided in 2011, I wanted to try to have a baby. And there's this weird phenomenon that happens when you have implants and you get pregnant, your body goes into like this crazy autoimmune mode. Most of the women that I know that have had implants that have gotten really sick, it happened after a pregnancy. Um, because your body just kind of goes crazy. Uh, so that's when it kind of started. I had already had a little inflammation, like dry skin. I wasn't, you know, I was always dehydrated, um, stuff like that. But then in 2014, I had my third baby and final, right? So I was falling apart by then. Um, 
I had severe anxiety. I was normally a very sunny person. I had never been so sad in my life um, because all that stuff is platinum. Platinum makes you crazy. Uh, mercury makes you crazy. Um, what are the other heavy metals? There's there's like 45 heavy metals in implants. It's, it's gross. And I'll show them to oh, you wow. in just a second. Um, so then let's see, I had, um, my feet hurt so much that I couldn't get out of bed in the morning without taking a tennis ball and physically rolling them. And I was like 30 something years old. That's not normal. Um, my hands mm -hmm. were so swollen, couldn't get my ring off for two years, you know, just all this crazy stuff. My hair's falling out. Uh, what else? Let's see. There's a list. If you guys, um, want to Google, um, breast implant illness symptoms, there's an image that has about 50 something in, um, you know, symptoms and you can kind of look it off, but I'll read some, some of these I had, some of these I didn't. Um, but I definitely had heart, heart palpitations. I still get those. Um, it's a weird, like vitamin D deficiency thing. Um, oh, and when you have any sort of implant like that, it leaches the calcium from your blood and your bones and the vitamin D from your body. And so you can't maintain it. So like they stuck me on 20,000 IEUs of vitamin D didn't touch my levels They're They're like, well, let's do 40,000. Normal is 600. So when you don't have vitamin D, like you're more susceptible to breaking your bones. So I did that in February. That was fun. But, um, Ugh. yeah. So yeah. Difficulty concentrating, uh, joint muscle pain, fatigue, brain fog, memory loss, vertigo, fever, chills had that for sure. Um, muscle weakness, hot, cold, intolerance, sensitivity to light and sound. It can make you sensitive, which is interesting. It's kind of like a sensory processing sort of deal. Um, not to me, but I've seen some other people, um, hair loss, dry skin, slow healing, constant sinus infections, headaches, sharp pains in your chest, <clears throat> chronic fatigue syndrome, on and on and on. Right. So anyway, I go, wow. um, yeah. And I go see the surgeon to get these suckers out. And I'm like, do you believe in this implant illness? And he goes, well, I'm not going to tell you I don't. But you're going to be better when you're, when you're, when they're out. And I'm like, so have you taken other patients implants out? And he's like, yeah. And I said, did they recover too? And he's like, yeah. I go, are you still installing implants or installing implants? And he's like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Computer. I can't, you know, I'm a nerd. Um, but Oh yeah. my God. So, and what's crazy is that, um, the morning I woke up from the next morning, like not like from surgery, cause I'm not going to talk about that. It was a little scary. Um, yeah. the morning I woke up, I took the first full breath that I'd taken in 13 years without six pounds on my chest. So you want to see them? Wow. Yes, of course I do <laughs> desperately. Okay, I, they're really gross. So if y'all are squeamish, I'm sorry, turn away. Just pretend like you're nursing out or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is while I pull these out, if you have a Mirena, if you have um, a silicone IUD, same thing, there is a settlement for those. We don't get a settlement because we're cosmetic. So, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I had a friend who, um, had the Marina had all the same problems, same everything as me. And yeah, they took way better care of her. So I want to point something out to you. I was told that I did not have a leak, that my implants were perfectly intact. There was no leak. These suckers are so leaky. 
I don't know if you can see that. Hold on, let me come closer. Can you see the gross mold on this bag? Ew. Okay. Do you see how gross they are? Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. These things were in my body. I was trapped and I couldn't get them out. So, um, I haven't opened these since I got them from the hospital. So I'm kind of like, they told me not to touch them when I got them back because they were biohazardous and they could harm me. You're like, but we'll just put this in your body and staple it to your chest. What? That's so messed up. So this is one. So this is one. And it's okay. Okay. You can see, do you see that? Do you see the stuff floating in there? Ew. That right there. That's stuff, y'all. This was leaking slowly into my body and making me sick. Yeah. Oh my God. Like one. Okay. There's everybody has an opinion about implants. You can think what you want. Like, and I don't judge anybody who gets them. Yeah. No. And I don't either. Like it's, it is, it's, it's, it's your own choice. And if you do it and it makes you feel better, freaking great. This is so predatory. Like I'm raging. Our comments in the zoom chat were raging. I can't read the comments. You guys, I'm so sorry. I have a rock no, blocking and me, so it um, It's just saying, ew, oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe this. I'm raging. Like, this is wild. One, like, the fact that they were like, come back and I'll take them out when you give me more money to correct the size is gross. Yeah. yeah. That's disgusting. Like, yeah. Predatory. Holy crap. Amanda, like, how, how did you find out? Like, how did you even start to connect these dots? Like, how? The, that is a long list of symptoms. <laughs> So I thought I was going crazy. Um, I'm going to take these gloves off. I don't need them. I thought I was going yeah. crazy. Um, I thought I was becoming a hypochondriac. Like my poor husband, he's so patient and so loving and Jesus, you know, but right. Honestly, it was luck. Like I, I, he, he was a truck driver. And so he went away. He had to go to Oregon for a while. We were living in Idaho and I was like doing the whole stay at home mom thing. And I had like my routine and somehow this show, the, what is it? The Playboy Bunny house show with all the girls and who have, it was like their life virtual reality, very out of context for me to watch. I became obsessed with it. Right. She said, one of the wives on there said, I took my implants out because they were killing me and I about fell over. And I was like, well, that's why I was supposed to watch this show because otherwise I never would have known. And so I started to do some research. Um, she had the same symptoms as me. And then I found a Facebook group called, um, breast implant healed breast implant illness. No, hold on. Healing breast implant illness by Nicole. And it's on Facebook. Um, when I joined, there were 50,000. There's 115,000 women in there right now. And they've all been through the same thing. So if you have implants, if you feel weird, if you feel sad, if your hair's falling out, if you're tired, if you're grumpy all the time, if you have anxiety, if you feel like you're an old lady in like your body, probably your implants. Um, there's something called Asia auto. Um, I don't want to mess this up, but I always do adjuvant induced autoimmune syndrome. Adjuvant is anything foreign in your body could be hip replacement. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be silicone, but your body attacks it. So they're calling it Asia. And that's kind of what you get diagnosed with whenever, cause they don't call it breast implant illness. 
that would mean that they're at fault and that they did something to harm you. Um, but yeah, the politics of it are insane. I'm, I'm so angry for you <laughs> and yeah. for all those women that are in that group. I just like, I cannot, this is so crazy to me. And thank you for pointing out the part about the Marina too. There's a couple women in the um, zoom chat right now. that are like, um, I have one. Oh. I should probably go to the doctor. Like, yeah. Holy guacamole. Take that. Mm -mm. So question then diva cups and menstrual cups made of silicone dangerous or completely different. I wouldn't do it. I, that's me personally though. I feel like, you know how like some people are very um, passionate about like when they've been harmed by, you know, like vaccines or something. I'm very passionate about silicone. Like I don't want any skincare products with it in it, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Hair care has silicone in it. Makeup has silicone in it. Moisturizers. That's why I love Melanie stuff. Yeah. No kidding. It's all good. That that stuff will make you really sick. Um, I don't cook, you know, those little cookware things where you can do the silicone molds and make your muffins pop out easy. Toxic. Throw that crap out. Um, Jeez. Yeah. And, and, and here I am thinking that like, this is a good replacement, especially like on the, on the menstrual side of things. Like I, I, I was under the impression that using a silicone cup and I'm going to do my own research for sure, but I was under the impression that that was, that that was much better than the bleached scented cotton tampons that I used to use. Like that's not good for you either. It's just, it probably is anger. (laughs) Like we're screwed as a, as a, you know, female group because it's yeah up until recently it's been men creating these things you know and they don't know how that stuff works and um right I, I have a friend who uses those think underwear and yeah yeah she loves yeah. them I have yet Love to it. try that yeah so that just sounds but, so weird to me I'm like I don't want to walk around in a diaper like I just can't I'm like so it's, it's a, <laughs> like like I, I it sounds comfortable and amazing and also totally disgusting <laughs> yeah no I don't know if I'm ready oh, for that man. all right so uh Laura was saying she had hers removed about four years ago and now she's wondering so now it's making me wonder if that was causing some of my issues at the time dude wow. really I'm very sure you can text me um yeah just text me and I'll I'll talk to you for sure. uh, I've had and then so um, many could you repeat the could you repeat the name of the medical condition that that you were the Asia, what is that again? Oh yeah. Um, uh, um, <laughs> see. Yeah. Advent induced autoimmune. Wait. Advent autoimmune syndrome induced by Advent. That's what it is. It's been a minute. Okay. Autoimmune syndrome cool. induced by Advent Asia. And then, um, when you go, if you need to go to the doctor or anything, have them like run a whole blood count and check your, um, your white blood cell count, your kidneys, your vitamin D levels. Anybody who's ever had implants needs to be taking vitamin D. Like go get a bone scan. If you haven't broken a foot yet, you might. Um, yeah. I, wow. I was just walking through, well, um, spiral fractured it. Um, just putting up clothes like, and I'm not a fragile person. So, and I no. just took five months to heal too, instead of a six weeks heal. It was a five month heal. And the doctor's like, I don't know why your bone's not healing. You're kind of broken. I'm like, well, I had implants. She goes, oh, okay. 
Like it's that widely known that when you say I had implants, they're like, oh, well, that makes all of your symptoms make sense. But like mm -hmm. we still have these manufacturers making it. We still have everybody pushing it. The doctors themselves that do implants will tell you you'll be better when they're out. Why do you put them in in the first place? Why are you not right. educating people? This blows my mind. Right. And there's a lot of really good doctors who have decided that they're never going to put another implant in of any kind. And their only purpose is to remove them. Like um, Dr. Fang, I believe is her name. I could be murdering that. Um, she's committed to only removing them. Um, there's a guy in California who does the same. There's a guy in Florida who does the same. He, I think he does all the stars. I couldn't even begin to list their names, but, um, wow. in the group, there's a whole list of like approved doctors and then there's not approved doctors. Cause the whole other thing is, is that when you have your implants taken out, you need to have that capsule that forms taken out with it and not any of it left behind, or you're still going to be a little bit sick. So like, I still have some in my armpits, um, cause they went in through my armpits to put them in and that created, you know, whatever. And then when you had it, when I had it removed, he said that if he would have kept going, he would have punctured my thoracic cavity to get the scar capsule tissue off. So we just kind of said F it and left it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a crazy deal. Wow. I so before, implants. yeah, well, that was going to be my next question before we move into the group gratitude circle is like, if there's anybody watching who's been contemplating implants or thinks that that's something that they want to do for whatever reason and no judgment, like any advice, any words of wisdom other than yeah. like, don't. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So a couple of people have been into different, a few different camps with this and the conversations that I've had the most were, um, people will say, well, I'm larger and I, I don't really want implants. I just want to be perky. And I'm like, well, then why are you even talking about implants? Um, and they said, well, to give it that upper, upper volume that the doctors will convince you of, they're really good at convincing you. I just had a friend who got implants put in. She's like, I know your story. I'm sure I, I don't think I'm going to get sick. It's hard to watch. Um, so she, yeah, you know, you get them up here and then, but so anyway, just get a list. If you really feel like you need to manipulate what you look like, to feel better. And I understand I've done it. I've done it. Just yeah. get a lift. Um, but I'll tell you that lift is going to burn like the Dickens. It just hurts. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then for people who are smaller, um, I want you to pay attention to how many really cute women are wearing tank tops and sundresses and cute t-shirts. And they're not big breasted. They are normal, average, possibly kind of small and they look cute and they look feminine and they look young. When you get big boobs put in and you're not naturally born with them, your body can sometimes not fit. Right. And I looked matronly. Like there was a point where my inflammation got so bad that I had, I had piled on some weight and I couldn't lose it. I mean, like 60 pounds, couldn't lose it. Um, and I wouldn't even do anything different. It was just the, the implants like tearing me apart. That's not sexy and doesn't feel sexy. And it makes you feel tired. And those things are heavy. Um, anybody who gets implants, they will tell you they are heavy from the moment you wake up, you're like, Oh shit. I didn't think about this. So, and think about how you won't be able to be the big spoon in bed anymore with your significant other. 
that was what killed me. I was like, I can't be the big spoon. Oh my God. And that was the first thing I did after I healed. Cause you know, you have to sleep in a, in an armchair for like six weeks when you get them out. It's intense. It's harder to get them out than it is to put them in. Um, but the first thing I did, I was like, I even more problematic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That was an incredible amount of information. And I'm sure that just this chat will save lives and definitely save some people from some serious discomfort. Um, so in the spirit of gratitude, uh, you want to kick us off? What are you grateful for? And anybody in the Zoom meeting that wants to share what they're grateful for, hop on video and I will call on you as, uh, as we go around the circle. So Amanda, kick us off. Thank you for joining us around the virtual campfire. Sometimes we talk about heavy topics, sometimes we tell poop stories, but regardless of what we've discussed, we always like to end the show on a high note. At the end of our live broadcasts, we invite our community to share what they're grateful for in a segment called the Group Gratitude Circle. Every week, I'm thankful for you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to connect with us and witness these stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. If you'd like to gather with us around the campfire live each week, join the Hiking My Feelings virtual campfire VIPs. If this were a legit talk show, you'd be sitting in our studio audience. We haven't been picked up by a major network yet, so for now, we gather on Zoom. Here, you can connect with the community before and after the broadcast, hang out for soundcheck when we have musical guests, participate in the Q&A, join in on the group gratitude circle, and be eligible to receive prizes and gifts from our sponsors, partners, and guests. Learn more and join us at hikingmyfeelings.org slash campfire. Don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, and anyone else who could use a dose of community and connection. Follow us on Instagram, we're at hikingmyfeelings, and you can tag your journey with hashtag hikingmyfeelings. And if you're picking up what we're putting down and you want to be part of this movement, join the Hiking My Feelings family at family.hikingmyfeelings.org. In case nobody told you lately, you are a brilliant human who is destined to do epic things in this world. Join us next week for more stories of hope, healing, and inspiration in the outdoors. Until then, happy trails!